You are listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website, ssbaptistchurch.com. We'll do our remain standing and um, let's continue to, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Um, dear Lord, I, God, I thank you, God, for the opportunity to worship in front of you, Lord. God, we're so thankful, God, that um, your presence is here. Lord, that um, in the midst of our struggles and our sorrows, Lord, you, you have the cure. But Lord, more than anything, God, we're so thankful, God, that you give grace to those of us who fall on, Lord. God, that despite who we are and what we've done, Lord, you've given us grace to be able to stand and um, do all that you've asked us to do, Lord. God, um, even in the midst of times, God, where we're shaken, Lord, God, you, you remind us, God, that with you we, can, we cannot be shaken, Lord. Lord, help us to fortify ourselves like cities, Lord. Help us to stand firm in conviction. Help us to follow you, God, even when circumstances in our life seem bleak, God. And above all else, God, let us give praise and glory to you, God, because it's you who helps us to endure the times where they are difficult. God, the song once again told us, God, that earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. Be our cure today, Lord. Be our cure now and forever. In Jesus, amen. Amen. Um, If you would, um, remain standing. And if you would, turn your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 20. Um, as you are turning to chapter 20, we're going to ask all our young people, our kids, um, will go ahead and make their way towards the double doors on my, on my right. Um, and they will be heading towards Children's Church. And today they will be exploring a story of the Israelites returning home from exile. So be sure to ask questions about your children, about the lessons that they're learning, so that we can make sure that we're um, meeting all their, their spiritual needs and being able to... Um, allow them to learn stories and worship in their um, in a way that's conducive to who they are amen and as you are turning once again um, the book of jeremiah jeremiah chapter 20. um, we've been doing a series based on the idea of dealing with doubt and um um, pastor jeff brother jeff has been doing an excellent job of sharing about these different ideas about the trauma of doubt and all about the trauma of what it means when people go through Um, parts of their life when they doubt. And today, what I want to do is I want to take, um, he's giving you essentially a New Testament example through John the Baptist. And so what I would like to do today is I want to give you an Old Testament example from the book of Jeremiah. And so if, once again, um, Jeremiah chapter 20, and what we're going to do is we're going to start at verse 9. Now, I will come back and build in some context, but but before then, let's just go ahead and read Jeremiah chapter 20, starting at verse 9. We're going to go a little bit of a way. It's going to go to 18, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to begin our message. Amen? Amen. So here's what it says. This is from the book of Jeremiah chapter 20, starting at verse, um, actually verse 7, I'm sorry, verse 7. Jeremiah's, and, and so here's what it reads. It says, you deceived me, Lord, and this is Jeremiah talking, you deceived me, Lord, I, and I was deceived for you overpowered and prevail me. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming the, the violence and destruction. And so the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more of his name, his word is in my heart like a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear many whispering, terror on every side. Pronounce, I mean, denounce him. Let's denounce him. All of my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, perhaps 
he will be deceived, and then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the word of the Lord is with me like, the almighty, like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced, and their dishonor will be forgotten. Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance on them, for you have committed, you have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. But curse the day I was born. May the, may the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Curse be the man who brought my father the news, who made me very glad, saying, a child is born to you, a son. May that man, like the towns the Lord overthrew, be without pity. May he, may he hear wailing in the morning a battle cry at noon, for he did not kill me in the womb with my mother as my grave. Her womb enlarged forever. Why did you ever come out? Why did I ever come out the womb to see the trouble and sorrow and the end of my days return? Amen. Let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, God, um, God, as we as we read the words of Jeremiah, Lord, we see a, a, a vacillating Lord of from someone who is who is beaten, broken, Lord, to somebody who has some hope, God, to ultimately God even cursing the day he was born. God, help us to make sense of your scripture. God, help us to see that what it means, God, to struggle in a, and be in a crisis of belief, Lord. Help us to wade through the scripture, God, and see your word, your truth in your way. In Jesus, amen. Amen. You may be seated. The title of today's sermon is called Overcoming a Crisis of Belief. Um, I, I read of a story, of the, I, I was reading of a story uh, as I was preparing for this, um, for this message, and I read this, um, a story or an illustration that spoke, that spoke well to me, and it said that a man over the side of a cliff was able to, um, as a man was falling over, the sliding over the side of a cliff, he was able to grab a branch at the last second, and he hung over, he hung over the precipice, over the edge of the cliff, and um, hundreds of feet from the ground below. And so as he was hanging over, um, over that ground, he screamed out with a loud voice and said, help me, somebody please help me. But then a voice came out of the sky and said, do you believe that I can help you? And the man responded, yes, I believe, please help me. And then the voice came about the sky again. He says, do you believe I have the power to help you? And the man said, yes, I believe, please help me. And then the man asked again, the voice said, do you believe that I love you enough to help you? And then he said, yes, well then let go let go of the branch. And after a brief silence, the man uttered back and said, is there anybody else who can help me? <laughs> you know, in our, as we walk through life, as we work, as we do our best to live for life and godliness, as we do our best to see God's word for what it is and try to walk the light, try to walk life in righteousness, we often find places in our life where we struggle. Now, Sometimes that struggle may be something that seems simplistic, and other times that struggle may be something that really, uh, that really weighs on our soul. But the reality of it is, is that at some point, all of us, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, we all come to a point in our lives where we face 
a crisis of belief. Now, here's the reality. A definition of what a crisis of belief is. A crisis of belief is a time where God encounters you. He gives you a God-sized issue to deal with, and the only way you can deal with it is through faith. There are things in your life that are simplistic and you can probably try to solve, but there are times when we encounter God and God puts something in front of us and God, it is so big that the only person that God can, is, it's so big that only God can help us with. And so we have to move in faith and in action that God is who he says he is, will do what he says he's going to do and bring us past that crisis. Amen? And all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, we see men and women of faith who were just not facing trials, but we saw them facing trials where there were insurmountable odds. And they had no choice but to trust in God for their victory, healing, whatever the case may be. And make no mistake that maybe, just maybe, you in here today may be going through a crisis of belief. Perhaps you're a parent and you're struggling with how to parent your child. And you trusting and believe that God will do something awesome with, the, with what you're doing, how you're trying to raise your child, but right now you're in the weeds and you can't see how that end is going to look. Maybe you're in a financial struggle where, you know, the ends are just not meeting at all, and if things keep going the way they're going, you don't see how you're going to get out. Perhaps you're going through illness or sickness that you can't describe. They've given you a diagnosis, but you don't know how to handle it. And yet God has asked, but you know that the God of the universe, that the, the creator, sustainer of the universe tells you that, listen, if you trust in him, listen, if you trust in, if you put your trust in him, he'll help you make it through. However, there is so much hurt and pain and struggle in your, in your life and in your soul that you just don't see how that's going to look in the end. God, at some point, at somehow, will bring all of us to a place where we are in a crisis of belief. And here's the reality. The reality of it is, is this, for us to fully appreciate where we are in life, let me just phrase this a different way. To fully appreciate light, sometimes we have to go through the darkness. Let me say it again. Sometimes to appreciate the light, sometimes you have to go through the darkness. You know, one thing that we don't enjoy when we talk about, when we talk about God, right, is the fact that, you know, we know that through scripture, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, I'm hope, Lord, I'm about to, I hope I don't butcher where this exactly is, but I know it's in 1 Peter. It talks about the idea that, listen, for us to, for us to be with Jesus, listen, for us to reign with Jesus, we have to suffer with him. We need to know what his suffering was like, right? And here's the thing, to fully appreciate who God is and to fully appreciate the blessings that God has given us, sometimes we have to walk through tough, dark times. It is not necessarily something that we as people want to go through. I mean, my hope would be, you know, in, a, in my own personal thing, I would hope that, you know, we would learn from the scriptures, see what things are like, and we would just be thankful that the Lord has given us this account to show us what he is like. But the reality is that many of us are like, are sometimes like hard-headed children. Sometimes we can't just tell them, we have to show, right? And so today I want to talk about how do we overcome a crisis of belief? And in overcoming this crisis of belief, I want to talk about Jeremiah. Now, a little bit of context of the story we just read in um, verses 7 through 18. Um, Jeremiah was a prophet of the Lord that had probably one of the toughest jobs that you would ever have. His, his, new, I mean, his job was to bring bad news to people, right? Like, now here's the thing. He was also supposed to be bringing hope to people, but 
his message was filled with a lot of bad news. You see, because here's the reality. The people of Israel were out of favor with God because they were being disobedient to God. And God called Jeremiah. God told Jeremiah in chapter 1, listen, I knew you from the womb, and I want to establish you as a prophet for, I mean, to the nation, right? And when God gives him the message, the message is that, listen, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to be destroyed and sent into exile. Did everybody catch that? And he's got to continue to display and convey the words of the Lord as the Lord tells him. That's the job of the prophet, right? He gets the word from the Lord. He tells the people the word. And he, conf- and he affirms what God has already been saying, right? And so he has a chance to um, work for the Lord and do the Lord's work. But man, he is in a tough, tough place. By the time we get to chapter 20, Jeremiah has already told them several pieces of bad news. And he's told them so much bad news that the people of Israel hate him. Imagine, imagine being the preacher, imagine being the preacher that every time you see him, it's almost, you, you have the hard sermon, right? And every time they see you go to pulpit, I wonder how he's going to put us in fire and brimstone today. I wonder how he's going to tell us that our destruction is coming today. And, and, here, and the people of Israel hated him for it. But Jeremiah still had to convey the message of the Lord because destruction was coming, eventually exile was coming, but he was trying to provide he was trying to provide um, a word of caution to those who disobeyed the Lord, give hope to those who were still trying to follow the Lord, but then also prepare everybody for the impending doom that was just, just beyond the horizon. And so when, by the time we get to verse 20, Jeremiah is beaten. He is broken down. He is like a kid. He's been kicked. He's been spit at. He's been hurt. And now he's at this point where he has had enough. By the time we read verse 7, we see that this man has had so much heartache and pain happen that he's just like, listen, I can't take this anymore. I don't want this anymore. In fact, we're, all, we're basically reading Jeremiah's I quit story. We're reading Jeremiah's I quit story here. And so Jeremiah is, is a man who's going through a tough situation. And as he's going through his tough situation dealing with the fact that he is a man who has to give bad news to people who are disobedient and how he's being treated in the midst of it, Jeremiah is going through a crisis of belief. Now, as we read the story, you probably noticed that there felt like there were some lows and then a high and then a low in his story. But that's because a crisis of belief puts us in a place where we're not sure how we should respond. Is everybody still with me? And so with Jeremiah's story, what I would like to do is I want to give you some mental notes to hang on to, all right? Listen, I can't always, listen, God in his unique way is working in all of our hearts and in our souls to move us to the, to the, to the place of God that he has called us to, amen? He works individually in our lives to show us what it means to be God. Now, we have an overarching standard. We have everything in life and God as we need from God's scripture and from everybody, I mean, from, uh, from God and his scripture, amen? But now, what I want to do is I want us to understand that although we may be going through different situations, all of us eventually reach a crisis of belief. And as you go through that crisis of belief, I want, there's some mental notes of something I want you to hang on to as you go through. Everybody follow me. Amen. Let's get into it. As we look at, as we look at Jeremiah's situation, we look at Jeremiah's situation, we see Jeremiah stuck. And in verse 8, I mean, in verse 7, 
he is basically he is basically done he says listen you have deceived me lord you have deceived me and i was deceived now to understand this verse you got to understand where where jeremiah's coming from because he's basically alluding to the fact that when the lord talked to him earlier the lord he basically said hey lord you lied to me in jeremiah chapter 1 it's the call it's the call of god i mean it's god calling jeremiah to ministry and in the midst of it in the call god is explaining what jeremiah's ministry would be and how he was going to have to get and how he was going to have to get through this tough time in fact skip down to verse 17 many of us recall jeremiah's many of us call recall jeremiah's word where it talks about God says that I formed you in the womb and I know you before you were born and set apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. But then as he gets Jeremiah ready and calls him to be a prophet, look at verse 17. He says, get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them, whatever I command you, do not be terrified by them. I will, ter- I will terrify, I mean, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you, um, I have made you a, um, I'm sorry, so today I've made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, and its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but you, I mean, but they will not overcome you, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. You see, Jeremiah in this situation is saying to, is saying to God, God, when you, when you told me about all this, you tricked me. You told, you told me, you didn't tell me about all this part. And keep in mind, Jeremiah's going through a point where he has been beaten, he has been talked about, he is seen as essentially a black sheep to the nation. And now he's trying to justify where he is in life by trying to figure out where did he go wrong. And one of the first things he says in his complaint to God, which is actually in this particular book, this is actually one of many complaints that he's made to God. He says, God, you tricked me. Mm-mm, God, you didn't tell me about all this. You tricked me. But here's the reality. When we look at verse 1, or we, I'm sorry, when we look at chapter 1, we see that God clearly tells him, listen, you need to stand your ground. You need to, you need to stand up for yourself because, listen, they are going to come after you, but you need to be like a fortified city. You need to be like a wall. You need to stand up because they're going to try to attack you. But guess what? Even in the midst of them trying to attack you, I am with you and I will protect you. Is everybody still with me? Jump back to, jump back to now to ch- um, chapter 20. Um, yes, chapter 20. So Jeremiah leans in and says, listen, God, you, you, di- you, didn't, um, you persuaded me to do this. Man, you coerced me into this. You tricked me into this. And even the word being used there in the Hebrew terminology, it's almost like the idea that a person loves someone and is tricked by their lover. It's the idea that, listen, you, you, you lured me into this. I didn't want to do this. You lured me into this, right? But the reality of the matter is, Jeremiah had a hard call. And this leads into my very first point about, or my very first mental note that you need to make as you try to overcome a crisis of belief. You need to remember your call. Remember your call. You see, because when he went back, he basically made it like, like God had never told him that anything was going to go wrong. Even though God had already established, listen, it's going to be tough. And they're going to come against you but they ain't going to win. Everybody follow me? Now, God has called all of you individually to certain things, 
whether it's, whether it's God calling you to be mothers and fathers, whether it's God calling you to serve the church in a certain way, God has called you to um, called you to a certain position, to a unique place. He has called you with a unique purpose in mind for your life. And in the times where we wonder, Lord, am I supposed to be doing this? We have to remember why, we have to remember that, listen, God is the one who called us. And not only did God call us, God is the one who equips us. And if God calls you and God equips you, then God wants you to finish the job. Amen? Is everybody still with me? And so God is telling us, listen, and so Jeremiah at that moment was forgetting how important or how tough his call was going to be because usually what happens in life is this. We accept something from God. We may accept a call from God. We may, we may begin to agree with God about doing something. But one of the things that we have sometimes in mind is that we have certain expectations of how things should go when God calls us into something. We have, there are times we recognize that there comes, there comes some, you know, some difficulty with something, but we never imagine wholly what it's going to be like to follow God sometimes. To kind of give you an example of that, I think about myself. Um, when I came to Jesus, when I came to Jesus um, in the early 2000s, I think it was roughly around between 2001 and 2002, essentially, um, God, my idea was that, listen, I think that God had called me to serve simply to help where I could. Now, I could never in my mind imagine and say, yeah, that, that God would be saying, yes, Reggie, you can help by becoming a pastor and shepherding my sheep. That wasn't in my life plan, okay? I had plenty of friends who, um, who early on saw like, yeah, I, I, could, I could see, I, many of friends tried to encourage me like, I think, I think I can see where God is calling you into this. And I said, would say, no, God is not calling me into this. You have it wrong. God is calling me to be a, you know, to be a disciple, to be servant, but not like that, right? Well then, you know, well then as time goes on, God began to change circumstances in my life that helped me to understand that maybe the way that I, the, maybe my expectations for what I think God wants me to do is not the same as his expectations for what God wants me to do. We have visions of grandeur sometimes about, you know, how God is going to bring this thing down to us and we're going to all of a sudden let, let the world on fire and things are going to be just awesome. But sometimes we forget that sometimes following God and dealing with the day-to-day -day grind of what it means to follow him is a day-to-day, day-in, day-out, sometimes good, sometimes bad, sometimes easy, sometimes rough proposition. And Jeremiah had forgotten that. He thought, okay, I knew it was going to be bad, but I didn't know it was going to be this bad. <laughs> and so in the midst of all that, he says, listen, Lord, you deceived me. And then he'd go on, he went on to start describing what's going on with him as if it was something different from every other prophet that had gone on. He says, I'm being ridiculed. I'm being, I'm being ridiculed all day long. That sounds like just about every other prophet, right? Um, he says that um, everyone mocks me. Oh, that sounds very familiar, doesn't it? And so the word, and so then he says, and, and whenever he speak and cry out, violence is, I mean, whenever I speak, I cry out, I mean, I mean, proclaiming violence and destruction. Jeremiah was tired of giving the message the hard message. He was like, man, why every time I open my mouth, I got to talk about the hard stuff, right? Why I got to talk about this hard stuff, Lord? But then, and this is amazing. I think this is really interesting. The fact that by the time he gets to verse 10 or verse 9, Jeremiah, now keep in mind, he is talking to the Lord. Listen, let me ask you this. Have you ever had one of those one-on-one -on -one 
maybe in your car, in your room, whatever it is, conversation with the Lord, where you start telling him about the stuff that he got wrong. You ever have that? Lord, you said it was going to be easier. Lord, you told me that if I followed you, that this was going to happen, right? Well, Jeremiah's in the middle of one of them talks by himself, right? Lord, hey, Lord, you told me wrong. Lord, they down here, they're mocking me. They're talking about me, Lord. And he's like, I, I know, Jeremiah. I, I know, I know, right? Well, then he lets the cow out of the bag because now when he says his statement, he says, if I say, I mean, if I say to myself, listen, I won't mention your name, Jeremiah had already decided by the time he's having this um, debate argument or just airing of grievances to God, he said, listen, I'm not going to say your name anymore. I am so tired of having all this stuff happen. Listen, I'm not going to say your name anymore. But then there's this tension. There's a tension there, right? Because he didn't just say, I'm, a, I'm not going to say your name anymore. He says, I, I don't, if I say I'm not going to say your name anymore, then something happens inside me where your word gets shut up in me and it's like a fire in me and I have to get it out. That's a struggle with the call. You see, here's the thing. When you go through, a, when God calls you to do something, when God calls you to do something, the expectation is that you would do it, right? And here's the thing. Let me give you, and let me give you um, a baseline. Listen, if you think God is calling you to something, let me give you a baseline test for whether you can, you can perceive whether or not God is doing this thing in your life. If you could do anything else on earth, anybody follow? I want everybody to hear this loud and clear. If you can do anything else on earth and it not convict you, go for it. But if you try to do anything else and you cannot shake this feeling that you may not, you're not supposed to be doing this, but be doing something else, you need to answer the call. Do y'all follow me? Here's the thing. I want, let me tell you something. In my own personal life, listen, here's how I want my life to go. I wanted to finish school, make a lot of money, have a family, and just live. That's all I wanted. That is all I wanted. Now, amen, God still gave me that. Amen. It's not how I look. It's not how, it, how I thought it would look, but God still gave it to me. Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful for my wife and my children and how they blessed my life immensely. Right. But I didn't think I was going to have to serve God by being a pastor preacher. That's what I thought. Right. But here's the thing. I couldn't shake it. When I would try to go do other stuff, I would always be stuck in this. There was this thing in my head that would say, this is not what you're supposed to be doing, Reggie. This is not it. If you ever feel that unction with anything you do, if you feel like the Lord is calling you, and listen, if it keeps coming to remembrance and you haven't done it yet, God is eating at you for a reason. God is bringing that back to your remembrance for a reason. I don't, I don't care whether that's God calling you to do something or God telling you to stop doing something. If you just get this feeling that you can't shake it, you need to answer God's call and follow God's will, Okay? And so he couldn't shake it. Jeremiah was like, listen, I don't want to mention your name, but man, there's something inside of me that I just cannot get over this thing. He says, in fact, let me just quote him. He says, he says, listen, he just says, like, but I, I'm going to mention your word or speak of you anymore in his name, but his words are in my heart like a fire shut up in my bones. And then he says, but I'm tired of holding it in. The best way to work ourselves through, a, to work ourselves through tough times is to simply give in to what God is leading us to. A lot of times, we don't want to go through things because we, we realize the pain and stuff it's going to take us through. Well, sometimes we just have to let it go. We have to go through. We just have to stop fighting and go with God. Amen? But not only that, 
one of the things that we understand, too, from this is that Jeremiah was obedient in ministry, and it was at a high cost, but Jeremiah was doing the right thing in his case. Sometimes when you're doing the right thing, sometimes when you're doing the right thing, the tough thing, sometimes when you're doing the right and the tough thing, you will go through difficulty. Just because, just because you're going through a rough patch doesn't mean that it's all for nothing. Sometimes God's put us through these things because he's trying to make something in us. Now let me, and I want you to, I'm struggling with this, but in Jeremiah chapter 12, Jeremiah, and this is, and keep in mind, and feel free to turn if you want to, but I, I, Jeremiah, okay, let's just turn there, I'm sorry. Um, I was debating on whether to say this and move on, but I, I want to at least say this so it's really clear. In Jeremiah chapter 12, Jeremiah, this is a pre-complaint before the complaint we're reading. And let me give you the, and let me give you the synopsis of the complaint here. In Jeremiah 12, Jeremiah is complaining to God. He says, look, God, evil is winning. Wickedness is winning. And I don't get it. I don't understand why I'm following you, and yet it feels like I'm struggling. I'm the one that's getting talked about, kicked around, spit on, and talked about. And yet wickedness is winning. Now, here's the thing. That's a hard question for anyone to ask anyone, right? But now, I want you to see God's response. And this is going to almost seem insensitive, but it has a good reason for being here. Look at, look at chapter 12, verse 5. Now, keep in mind, Jeremiah's complaining for the first four verses. And then God answers in verse 5. He says, if you have raced with men on foot, and they have worn you out. How can you compete with horses? Now that's a strange way <laughs> to answer somebody who is on who who is on the edge, right? He's like, listen, Lord, I just don't understand why wickedness keeps winning. And yet God says, listen, and let me let me simplify what he's saying here, okay? He says, listen. Remember, Jeremiah had already been called in chapter one to a very a very difficult circumstance where he was gonna be attacked. And he was going to have people come. He's having a whole nation of people come against him. It takes a good backbone to withstand a whole nation of people coming against you, right? Well, God, and, I'm getting, and I promise I'm getting somewhere with this. Well, God reminds him of something. Listen, if you can't handle this, how are you going to handle what's coming? You see, sometimes we go through, when we go through our crisis of, of, our crisis of belief, Sometimes God is trying to move us from what we believe and think to something different and something better. Jeremiah, listen, and here's the other thing. Let me say this, and let me be very, very succinct when I say this. God does not work with us with explanation. God works with us in promises. Don't miss that. God does not work with us in explanations. God works with us in promises. Whenever we come to God, God doesn't, God doesn't sit us down at a table and say, well, let me explain what I'm about to do before I tell you and do all of it, does he? He simply says, listen, here's what I need you to do. A lot of times we find ourselves stuck and outside the will of God because we need God to give us a thesis for why we should be doing what we're doing. God says, remember, God tells us that our job, our purpose, our call is to be obedient to his word and his way. 
God does not have to give us a blow-by-blow explanation of why he wants us to do anything. He is the creator of the universe. He has the will. He has the plan. It's up to us to follow it. So when God calls us, the only thing we have to lean on, the only thing we have that we can lean on is his promises. Will I leave you or forsake you? Right? Then I promise that I would be with you to the very end. Then I promise that if that I would equip you with everything you need. Because think about it, even in the midst of Jeremiah's complaining, God is reminding him of what he was already doing with him. And so God is trying to get us to a place personally in the midst of our crisis of belief where we move to somewhere different. But for us to move somewhere different, we have to recognize that where we are does not cut it. We cannot stay where we are and go with God at the same time. If we're following him, we go after God. We don't stay where we are, and we can't have our cake and eat it too. As we serve the Lord, as Jeremiah served the Lord, God was trying to simply was trying to maximize his capacity. God was trying to strengthen him. God was trying to get him ready because he's like, listen, you complain about this, but a few chapters down, they're gonna come at you again. And God was preparing him to strengthen his backbone. And here's the thing. The reality of it is, is that the very promise that God had made to him in Jeremiah chapter 1, God was doing in real time. God said, listen, I'm going to make you like a fortified city so that you can stand against people that when they attack you, they will not win. And God was already doing it, but Jeremiah could not see that. Jump back to chapter 20 now. So one of the most important things we need to remember above all else or one of the most important mental notes as we go through a crisis of belief, is we need to remember, we need to remember this. We remember that, we need to remember our call. But now, let's look at another, let's look at a different section of this. Not only do we need to remember our call, what God has called us to, and what God told us that he's going to help us do, you need to remember your help. Remember your help. In Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 20, we see that Jeremiah moves from this complaint about what the Lord, um, what the, I mean, what he had been treated, and then he moves into this different diatribe where he talks about this idea of what, but he sees how the Lord can help him. Look at verse, look, look at verse 10. He's, I mean, I'm sorry, verse 11. He says, even after complaining about people coming at him at all sides, he comes to this. He says, but the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble, stumble and not prevail. Even in the midst of the time where he was having a crisis, he was still trying to reconcile the, okay, Lord, I don't know why this happened, but Lord, I'm, fe- I'm still trying to trust in you. You see, a lot of times when we go through a crisis of belief, we find ourselves going into other things to try to find relief, to try to find comfort, to try to find answers. But the reality is, if when we go through a crisis of belief, we need to remember why we were called, and we need to remember who is helping us through the call. You see, there's two things you need to remember in the midst of all situations. Number one, you need to remember God's faithfulness. I'm going to make this point really short. We need to remember God's faithfulness. You see, all throughout the Bible, we see stories of men and women who, even in their toughest moment, when they trusted God, God came through. Listen, the very definition, the very definition of God when we talk about his faithfulness is, is, uh, is the idea of truth. That means that no matter what God says, it is true and you can stand on it right? He is reliable. We can't forget that God in in, in all of his infinite wisdom and power is faithful to help us go through any of life's ills, 
I mean, I mean, he can help us go through any one of life's deals. Amen? And when he does that, he does that in such a way where, listen, in the end, he is the one who gets the glory. But not only, is, not only do we want to talk about God's faithfulness, but we also want to talk about, um, and, or in the midst of that, we want to talk about the promises of God. And this is something I've already hit on, so I won't go back through. But as we go through, as we go through um, times of pain and struggle, always be comforted by the promises of God. Always remember what he said to us. Always remember what he called us to, right? It's, it, I mean, it almost seems very simplistic, but think about this. Even in a time where God calls us to something tough, when, a lot of times when we come to God, God reminds us of things he's already told us, doesn't he? It's not like he reveals something necessarily new. Remember when Moses was at the bush, he said, Moses, I want you to go tell, you know, go to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And he says, but how am I going to do that? I'm going to stand near him. But why? But I'm going to. I'm going to give you everything that you need, right? He just constantly reminded Moses, hey, I'm going to equip you. I'm going with you. I have the power. I am that I am, right? God reminds, God reminds Moses of who he is all throughout the scripture and says, listen, just do, follow me. Do what I say and follow me because I am equipping you with everything that you need for life and godliness. Even in the midst of Jeremiah's struggle, he has to remember that the Lord is the one who called him. The Lord is the one who will not fail. In fact, look at verse 12. Here's what it says. Uh, I mean, at verse, or at the beginning of verse 11, he says, um, even with those people who stand against him, they will, they will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. The Lord Almighty who examines the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance within for you, um, for to you I have committed my cause. Jeremiah is simply reaffirming himself in this sense because he's like, listen, Lord, oh, Lord, you're the one who called me, and Lord, this is your fight, and Lord, you promised that you would never, that you would never let me down. You talk about your love being the one that's unfailing, so Lord, I need to trust in the fact that you are faithful, your promises are true, and I can't do it in my own strength. Is everybody still with me? And, and so, with that being said, lastly, let me get to my last point here. So just in case you were, taking, you were taking notes, in the midst of a crisis of belief, number one, you need to remember your call. Number two, you need to remember your help. But number three, you need to remember your value. Remember your value. You see, it feels almost, it feels almost um, anxiety-written and depression the way that Jeremiah speaks in this tone. He goes from the Lord, I'm just, oh, I'm just beat up, Lord, to the Lord, I know you can help me, but Lord, I hate myself. He is going through a tough time, and he is trying to find value in himself. But by the time he comes to verse 14, he's established he doesn't have any value. Now, here's the reason why he feels that way. Now, we, I know we did some sermons back towards um, winter. We talked about vulnerabilities and depression and things of that nature. And I don't, and I don't want to overquote or recode a whole bunch, but what I want to say is this. In the midst of times when we're struggling, we have a tendency to act outside of ourselves, don't we? Sometimes some of our, big, our deepest, most innermost struggles come to light when we have a crisis of belief, don't it? Like one of, one of Jeremiah, now keep in mind, God had told Jeremiah at the very beginning of chapter one, I knew you before when you were formed in the womb. And I set you as a prophet to all the nations. God had already given him a purpose and a value in chapter 1. By the time he gets to chapter 20, he's doubting that value 
even though God had clearly called him to be a prophet to the nation, that God was making him a fortified city with strong walls. God was fulfilling the very thing he had called him to right there in front of his very eyes. But he was missing the force of the trees because he was he was vulnerable because he had been beat up by the world. He was now in a place where his he was starting to listen to the voices around him that were telling him that he should give this up. And because of it, it lowered his value. You see, Jeremiah felt like what he did didn't matter. Did y'all catch that? Jeremiah felt like what he did didn't matter. But let me let you in on one of the bigger, one of the biggest, one of the biggest secrets that Satan uses to help to help us get off track. A lot of times we equate how we feel in our faith with our feelings. Because we don't feel like we're accomplishing what God has told us to do, we feel like we're not doing what God has called us to. One of the worst struggles that I, as well as many other people in the, in the body of Christ struggle with, is the idea of letting your feelings override what faith tells us is true. You see, when God tells you that you are, that you are um, fearfully and wonderfully made, you can trust that no matter whether you feel like it or not. When people encourage you and tell you that the work you're doing, when God affirms you and tell you that the work that you're doing is important, you have no choice but to understand that I have to trust that what God said is true regardless of how I feel. You see, one of the biggest mistakes we make is that because we don't feel like we're getting it right, we, we don't think we're getting it right. Even though Jeremiah was clearly doing what God had told him to do. But because he didn't have those warm feelings of people coming up and high-fiving him and saying, nice bad word, Jeremiah, woo! Man, you really laid it in on a man, woo! Man, I can't wait for God to bring destruction. Give me some dap on that one, you know? Because God, because he wasn't being affirmed, he felt like he was failing, and yet God was telling him that what he was doing mattered. Let me give you a really simple analogy. If I had $100, I don't have $100. Um, even if I took a $100 bill, if I went outside and threw it in a, mud, in a mud patch and rubbed my foot on it, even if I run my car over with it, even if I go and dump it in the trash, my $100 does not lose its value. You know, you see, the world kick, will kick you around, tell you that you're not worthy, tell you that you have no real value, but that's not what God says because the value that God assigns to you is the value that you have. Amen? So when God calls you to do something, it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't even matter if you feel like you're doing the right thing. Just know that if God's called you to it, that is what you should be doing. Our fear, our feelings cannot overrule our faith. Our faith is something we can put, is something that we can bank on because it's true. God makes it true. Our feelings are fickle. Our feelings are very fickle. 
you know, now, this is not something I enjoy, but um, there are people who, like, like, for instance, if you ever go to a scary movie, right, sometimes there's monsters in a scary movie, right? Well, the monsters are not real, but they create real fear in your heart, right? And because of magic trick, you know, because of um, CGI, graphics, all these different things, they make monsters look real. And it plays on that effect in your mind, right? Well, the reality is this, is that, well, the reality is, is that our fear in watching a scary movie fools us into thinking that what we're seeing is scary and real, even though it's not real. It fools your feelings. So the one thing we cannot go by when it comes, when we come into a crisis of belief is our feelings. We cannot let a crisis rule us because of our feelings, because your feelings about something can change from situation to situation. And thank God that when God ascribed it, when, and thank God that when God gives us salvation, when we trust in the Lord, when we accept him, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that God does not work on our feelings. Because there are days where I don't feel like I'm doing the Lord's will. There are days when I feel like I'm not in his will. And if you're not, please get in his will. Amen. Let me make that clear. Okay? All right? But now, there are days where I don't feel like stuff. Right? But that is not the indicator of what should, is what should um, determine my actions. And let me put this with a bow. Okay, I know I'm, I feel like I'm going long now. So let me, let me, let me just put this to the end here. If you're in chapter 20, go down to verse 21. It says, in the, and look at verse 1, and here's what it says. It says, and the Lord came to Jeremiah from the, I mean, a word came to Jeremiah from the Lord when King Zedekiah sent him to Peshur. Um, God, Lord, I should have practiced that word. And, um, and the priest Zephaniah and Messiah. Okay, I'm just going to go through that one. And they said, inquire now of the Lord for us to, um, for us to because, the Neb because Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, is attacking us. Perhaps the Lord will perform wonders for us in the times of past when he withdraw from us. But then it says in verse 3, but Jeremiah answered then, tell Zedekiah, this is what the Lord, God of Israel, says. And I'm stopping right there for a good reason. Because now, Jeremiah had had a crisis of faith where he was questioning his call. He was now looking toward his help. But now Jeremiah was still dealing with feelings because he didn't feel like he was doing what the Lord had told him to do. But look what he did in chapter 21. He still went on and did the will of the Lord. Did you catch that? He did not quit being a prophet because he's quoted in the next chapter telling people what the Lord had just said. When you're in a crisis of belief, the worst thing you could do is stop. Stop following. Stop listening. You need to keep pressing on. You need to keep going. Here's the thing. When you're in a crisis of belief, the word of God does not tell you, okay, stop, soak, stay in your misery, and don't figure anything out. God tells us, listen, until you figure out if some, something different to trust, you keep following. Now, here's the thing. When you come to the very end of that trust, you're going to realize that God was with you the whole time, you were on the right track, and the Lord was dealing with you to get you, to a, to get you from point A to point B. But you cannot stop. You cannot quit. You cannot bury your head in the sand 
and simply just say, woe is me. You can't. God tells us that, listen, no matter how you feel about who you are, no matter, no matter whether it seems like everything else is caving on you, you can trust that what he says and what he does is ultimately true and right. And when God calls you to do something, follow him. You may not understand, and he may not give you two tons of explanation of how to, why he's doing it and what it all affects, but follow him because he has the plan. He ascribed the value to you. He's the one who assigned the worth, and he is the one who's going to complete in you what he has already started. When you come to the end, when you come to the end of your crisis and belief, there should only be one answer. God, you were right. When you come to the end of your crisis, God, you were right. Now, here's the thing, and I don't want to make light of this, and y'all can stand because I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Life can deal us some tough hands, sickness, death, hardships, struggles, and yet God allows these things to happen in our life not to destroy us, not to make us feel bad. He allows them in our lives to grow us up, to move us closer towards holiness, to move us closer towards the righteousness that he gives us in Christ Jesus. His plan is to make you more like him. His plan is not to break you down, to leave you down. His plan is to break you down so that you can see him and so that you can follow his will, his way, for his purposes, for his glory. So in the middle of your crisis of belief, remember that the things that you go through are not to hurt you, not to harm you, but they are to make you better. Now here's the thing, I cannot say with all the 100% certainty in my heart because I would struggle with the idea of why would death bring me comfort or why would death treat, teach me things? But here's what I realize is that when I get to the end, I realize that the very thing that God has allowed me to teach me, he teaches me. Sometimes God lets us go through things not so we can complain about how we got through, I mean, what we've been going through, but to show us something about ourselves. He's trying to tell you that the belief that you think you have Let's see if you really believe that. Because here's, a, here's the truest test of faith, following an action on what you say you believe. It's not simply saying that I believe this and that's it. It's okay, when you're dealt with that hand, do you still believe what God told you? And at the end of that, when you go through those hardships and pain, if the answer is yes, God has accomplished what he's trying to accomplish. And here's the other thing. Even our hardest, darkest, toughest times, God will redeem the circumstances which he took you through. It does not mean that he's going to perfectly restore things the way they were before. It means that he will give you a new outlook, a new circumstance, and a new lease on life. Sometimes we cannot go back where we were. We have to move forward with the people we've been. When the, I'm going to say this and then we're going to close it out. When the Israelites were exiled away to Babylon, when they were finally allowed to come home, they didn't come back home to perfectly built homes. 
They didn't come back home to a temple standing still. They came back to ruin and destruction, and they had to rebuild their lives. They had to rebuild their lives. God never promises that he's going to put us back where we were. He promises that because of your new vision, on, your new outlook, your new vision, and your, the new understanding you have of life, you have, a new, you have a new framework in which to live life. And that is what makes you better, not the circumstances in which cause. God is calling us all to walk through our crisis and come out on the other side better than we were before. But have you accepted him? Have you trusted in the Lord? Have you trusted in him that no matter what the circumstance, that he has our back, that he is going to love us, that he is going to take care of us no matter what happens to us? That begins with a trust in him. That begins with us laying down ourselves, trusting that God will take up our lives and will do great things with it. But it requires us to surrender our own will, our own lives, our own plan to take up his. Dear Lord, God, I pray that you would, um, God, take the words that I said. Lord, that you would, God, that you would mold and shape into our hearts, God. It's difficult. Because, God, even as I go through Christ's belief, Lord, I have questions. I have expectations. We all do, Lord. But, God, help us to see, God, that your will, your will and what you do is greater than what we know. And in the end, God, you have our best in mind. Sometimes, God, the circumstances in which we walk through are caused, God, because we have failed to trust in you. And, God, because we have, now we're at a crisis where we have to see if we really believe in you. God, help us to continue to walk through our hard times. Help us to understand, God, that you're trying to grow us, shape us, make us like you. Help us to remember your call on our lives. Help us to remember, God, that even in the midst of our call, you help us through. And, God, help us remember, God, that, God, although you help us, Lord, you also still have value in us. Lord, help us, God, to make sense of your word. Help us, God, to trust in you even when you don't give the explanations. And above all else, God, let us give glory to you for what you're doing in our lives in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Now is the time.